This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Wow, I just like to look at all your happy faces, hear all those happy birthdays, and maybe get the happy birthday things. I haven't looked at Facebook, but I know that they're on Facebook because so many people here knew it's my birthday, so that means they were on Facebook. So, anyway, thank you for the happy birthday greetings and wishes and the happy birthday offerings and all those kind of things. Really appreciate that. But, you know, I just, I, I know, I know spiritual principles. You know, Paul said in Philippians chapter four, he talked about people giving into his ministry. He said, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit towards you because you gave a gift. And Jesus said, when you done it, the least these is brethren. And then he talked about giving to preachers. Jesus, Jesus said, that you'll, your well will never run dry. You'll always have more than enough when you take care of a man of God. And so I just say that to say this. Uh, when you're the ministry, you humbly receive things because you know it's good for the people. They get to give into the ministry. They're given to Jesus, and it blesses them. And so that's why we ourselves always personally give into our pastor's life and our spiritual fathers. We always bless them on anniversaries and birthdays and Christmas and special occasions because we know they're, they're gifts from God. And we want to bless them, and that takes care of us. So thank you again, and fruit will abound to your account because you're giving into good ground, and we're so grateful for all of you. And do you know what you're called to us? You're called job security. And by that I mean this. God sends people into church that need answers. God sends troubled people to churches. Somebody shows them how to get out of trouble. And so people that come to church are job security for preachers because God anoints us to help you. And because we're anointed to help you, then your lives change. And Jesus is going to pat us on the back someday and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So anyway, thank you for coming to church. Thank you for coming hungry. Thank you for bringing your Bibles. Thank you for bringing pens and notebooks. And, you know, I was thinking a minute ago that our church, a pastor's job is to lead people. And to show them how to grow. And I, I can say this, that I know the number one reason that I grew and my wife grew when we were new Christians. We came to church, number one, we always bought our Bibles. I know now they got all the iPads and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of preachers preach out of it and things like that. But to me, there's nothing, nothing like an old-fashioned Bible in your hand. And the reason I say that is because when you open your Bible... Something jumps off at you on another page you've seen before. You've got a, you've got a red light over there, a star, or some yellow like that. And the preacher's preaching about one thing, but on the other page, or on the way to turn to the passage, something else jumped off at you. And all of a sudden, you're not in the service anymore because God's talking to you through things you've seen. Doesn't bother me a bit. Because I know when I'm in services, and we, we go to services and other, other ministries and things, we, we ourselves go, and we're sitting there all of a sudden, I will see something in my Bible that I haven't seen for a few years that I've got on there. I think, wow. But if all you've, if all you've got is a cell phone or an iPad or something, all you're seeing is right there, that one little screen you pull up, and you're very limited. So I just want to say this. I really personally believe it will help you grow if you own a real Bible. And God's not going to condemn you if you don't bring a Bible to church. But it's going to help you grow more as a hungry Christian to have a real Bible and Start taking some kind of notes. You know, break some kind of a notepad, little pad, big with something like that. And you know, some people profusely take notes and they write down everything. But what I do when I'm in a service and somebody's teaching, like I just went to Minnesota for a week, 
was in several services with several speakers all day long for a week. What I do, I sit there at key scriptures. They do. I write it down. But then as they're saying things, one-liners that mean something to me, I write down the one-liners. And then, of course, you can always go back online, like the conference we went to. You can pull the stuff off online anyway and hear it again like that, or buy CDs if you want to, or whatever. But those one-liners, and like we'll have Julius here from India Sunday. He's going to stay up us for a, a day or two when he, this weekend. But anyway, when, when Julius comes Sunday and he begins sharing things, I've heard him preach so many times, I love his stuff, but when he says things that minister to me, I'll write his one-liners down. And then when I go back home, either that day or the next day or sometime during the next few days, while it's still fresh in my thinking about things he said, I'll go through my notes again. And what I always do through my notes, I get my yellow marker out, because I usually got a couple pages of notes. And then I'll go through there, and the things that really mean something to me, I'll put yellow through them. And then the next time I go through there, the things that really mean something to me, it's usually the yellow things again. I put red around them. And then I go back to those things, and the verses he used with those things, I look up again, after not verses I know, then I start learning those verses. I start quoting them, I start looking at them, I start getting them inside of me. And uh, although I'm 68 years old today, I'm 40 years old in the Spirit, been born again almost 40 years, I still want to learn new things from the Bible. I still want to refresh myself on things I've already learned from the Bible. I want to keep on growing. Why is that? Well, if you see the attack I went through last year, stage four blood cancer, 99% blockage in the heart, the attacks that happened to me last year, I'm very grateful to have a birthday this year because I don't remember last year's birthday at all. I don't remember a lot about last year. If you looked at, if I had a record book you looked at like that, I would say this was the end year, nightmare year. But now I'm back in the dream. And so anyway, I just, right now as a pastor, I'm encouraging you, don't just come to church and listen and then leave church and say, boy, that was good. And then somebody asks you two or three days later, well, what'd your pastor preach on? And you don't have a clue because you don't remember a thing about it. All you know is you come here and you got blessed. You felt happy. You felt good. But take some notes every time you come in. I'm just going to just emphasize that. Take notes. Go back and read your notes. If you're in a college class right now, you paid money for it, you wanted to learn something that's going to give you a test later on, you take notes. You study your notes. Well, let me tell you, there's going to be tests come to you this week. And they're not going to be from God. The devil's going to test you and tempt you to try to steal your life, try to steal your family, try to steal your health, try to steal your job, try to steal your money. And the, the, the notes that you take in class are from the Holy Spirit to a man of God that listens to God about what you're supposed to hear tonight. And on Sunday morning, the same thing. So I implore you, notebook, pens, Bibles, and listen to them online when you can, because this is a life-saving place. And by the way, I've been seeing some pretty good posts on Facebook that I look at from people's lives that are being blessed. And we appreciate that feedback, because that's just really nice to hear that people are getting it. Amen? Well, tonight's Gifts of the Spirit, Part 5, and the Lord's going to hit just a little bit of direction, but it's the same direction. And, and I'll just call it this, love, the motivation for all gifts. Love. The motivation for all gifts. And I'll show you a couple things out of the bookstore that are books that I've personally uh, fed on and read. This book's helped me for years called 
how to walk in love. How to walk in love. And you know, I, I, you know, I just want to say this. There's so many things in life today. If you want to know how to do something, you go to Google pretty much. Amen. Unless, unless Google takes you to a book like this, Google's not going to tell you how to walk in love like this. Google's going to tell you things about they treat you right, treat them right. If they don't, here's 100 ways to get even. And then they'll have some goofball to YouTube thing. He'll show you how to get even with your neighbor. He'll show you how to get over on your ex-wife or your ex-husband, etc. But if you want to learn God's way to succeed in life, buy books like this. How to Walk in Love, that's a great book. And then here's another one. The Baptism in the Holy Spirit has several little lessons in it. We're a Holy Ghost church, we're what you call a Spirit-filled church. And so we teach all the time about things like tongues and gifts of the Spirit, which we're on on Wednesday nights right now. And uh, in my life, when I got born again on January 29, 1980, it didn't make any difference to me what people told me about tongues that not for the day or gifts not for the day because I wasn't raised in church. I was raised in Centerville. Anybody ever live in Centerville? That's where people go that didn't have a dad and mom that were Christians where you just raised up but just around sinners and non-Christian things. But if you're raised in churches that don't teach about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then you come around a church like this, we're talking about that, you're kind of thinking, I don't know if that's right. I don't know if that's right. I grew up in Sunday school, and we never heard that before. Well, this is things from the Bible. And you know, no matter what church you grew up in, if it's Christian churches, they use a Christian Bible. And the Christian Bible is the same in the Baptist church, in the Presbyterian church, in the Lutheran church, in a Nazarene church, in a holiness church, or in a word of faith church like we are. When you read the Bible, that's God talking to you. So anyway, if you got questions about this spirit-filled life we're talking about, buy these books and don't ever, ever, ever read a Christian book from anybody about your Bible. Have your Bible open, go through your Bible, have your heart open, have your mouth open talking to Jesus, and just say things like this, say, Jesus... I want to be a better Christian. I want to grow. And Lord, I've got the same Holy Spirit that wrote this Bible. I've got the same Holy Spirit that uses my pastor to preach. I've got the same Holy Spirit. And so as I read the Bible, Jesus, you said the Holy Spirit would lead and guide me into all truth. And that's a Bible verse, John 14, 16. He will lead and guide you into all truth. And so you're reading with the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You're going to start feeling good if it's the Bible. But if somebody wrote a bad book or somebody preached something that wasn't the Bible, when you're reading it on the inside, you're going to think, that doesn't feel right. Something doesn't feel good. And you will start learning the difference between your head and your heart. If you've had wrong teaching in your head, your head will go tilt, but your heart will go yes. Amen? So well, that's just some ways to help you to grow those books that are there to really help you. But tonight we're going to be talking about Gifts of the Spirit and love is the motivation for all spiritual gifts. And because I know you're taking notes, I want to give you a little lead up to this. This is really interesting. And, uh, you know, because I want you to get things, I want to make sure I talk slow enough so you get it so you can't write notes down. But as you read the chronologically, uh, chronological order in the book of 1 Corinthians, you're going to notice in chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that's what we call our communion chapter. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it teaches us why communion, how to take communion. 
And basically what Holy Communion does, the Bible teaches this, especially 1 Corinthians 11 teaches it really well, that helps you to get cleaned up spiritually and stay clean. It helps you to look at the body of Christ that died on the cross for your sins, was raised from the dead, was justified by his shed blood for your justification means you were made righteous by the blood of Jesus. And 1 Corinthians chapter 11 communion teaches us when we take communion, we can judge ourselves and remember that Jesus' body was broken for us and remember that his blood was shed for us. And when we take communion with faith and if we've had sin, we confess those sins, he cleans us up. We're all clean again. And then 1 Corinthians 12 then, after we get cleaned up through communion, 1 Corinthians 12 then begins to teach on the gifts of the Holy Spirit because God wants to use a clean vessel. So we got cleaned up in 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 12, he teaches about the gifts of the Spirit we're talking about. And that's things like prophecy, uh, tongues, uh, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, as God's showing you things about the future, different things, etc. The gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. Then the last half of the verse... 1 Corinthians 12, he teaches about the body of Christ. And, and maybe you've read about it said, everybody's not an eye, everybody's not a hand, everybody's not a foot, everybody's not a head. There's different parts, but in 1 Corinthians 12 then, he teaches us that whatever your part is, you're not insignificant, you're all important. So you're cleaned up in 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 12 begins talking about the gifts of the Spirit. He wants a clean vessel to be used by him in the gifts of the Spirit. Then he teaches about the body of Christ, that everybody's important. Whether you're a person that sweeps the church or teaches a Sunday school class or gets to do some preaching or you're an usher or you work in the nursery or whatever you do, your part is not insignificant. And I'll tell you, let's think about this church right here tonight. If somebody didn't get over and get it cleaned up and things taken care of, it, it'd be, I would like to come to church if it was dirty. Still had stuff laying there. Think You're sitting in your row thinking, Man, that gun wrapper is laying down there the last two weeks. I wish somebody would pick it up. Well, that part was very significant because you come in, you're not offended, you got a clean church. Somebody programs the thermostats. We get a lot of air conditioners. It's a little warm outside, I've noticed. So you come in. It's nice to come into a cool church. And then if you've got little babies, it's really nice to be sitting here and your babies have been taken care of. But you know, they've got a clean nursery, uh, Clean people up there, you know they're not perverts, they're good people, been police checked, background checked, the people you feel good about, you see them, and you sit down here and not be worrying about your baby. And so those people in the nursery are very significant parts. That's 1 Corinthians 12. And then you get down to 1 Corinthians 13, which we're going to look at some things tonight. And then after, after you see those things, 1 Corinthians 13 then teaches us that the motivating factor that causes everything to work is the love of God. Amen. You're cleaned up. You know you're part of the body of Christ. You understand how church things work. And then you realize that nothing counts if you don't love people with God's love. Amen. And so, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13 teaches us that there's a difference between loving people like human people that don't know God love people and loving people with God's love in you. And so anyway, that's just an observation I made about how he sets us up for the gifts of the Spirit. And I want to look at just a few verses before I get to the meat of what we're going to look at. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. And I want to say again, I don't really want to go too fast. 
that I'm saying too much information because it's things I'm well familiar with that you can't get because I've missed, I've missed the whole mark if I'm over your heads. So I don't want to be deep. I want to be informational, but I want to be simple. So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31 says, But covet earnestly, or desire earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And that's leading up to chapter 13, which if you've been a Christian for very long, you know we call that the love chapter. That's what I'm talking about, that that teaches how to love of God's love. But 1 Corinthians 12 talks about all these power gifts where people see the future, raise people from the dead, all kinds of wonderful things happen. And the Holy Spirit said, covet earnestly the best gifts that desire to be used these gifts. He said, but then he said, wait a minute. I want to show you something even better, more excellent way. So then he's getting into talking about love. So did you catch that? He says, I want to show you something even better than that. And then in 1 Corinthians 13, we'll look at a couple verses. Verse 8. 1 13.8 says, King James says, Charity never fails. But then if you got a footnote there or another translation, says, Love never fails. Love never fails. And you know, I'll just throw out something to you to think about. How do you know that 1 John... Uh, 4 8 says that God is love. It says God is love. 1 Corinthians 4 16 says, I mean, 1 John 4 16 says God is love. So think about this. If the Bible says God is love, and then here it says love never fails, that's because God never fails, because God is love. How many know that God is all love? Everything God does is love because God is love. And so God through us, if we're walking in love with people and letting God's love work through us, God would have to fail for us to fail then. That's not too deep, is it? God never fails. Why is that? Because let's say right here, love never fails. So if we're people, and I'm going to, I'm going to show you how to do this better tonight, how to love people like God loves people. If we're people that allow God's love to work in us, we won't have any failures. You know, because we live on the earth, and there's demons on the earth, and there's people that don't know God on the earth, we may have some bumps in the road. We, have, we may have some rough times in life, because when we get to heaven, there's no devils to fight. There's no unsaved people to give us a rough time in heaven, so in heaven, it's going to be wonderful. But Jesus also prayed, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, you know, that, 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 that gives you a question, at least it does me. Why isn't the will of God on earth now done like it is in heaven? And why did Jesus say that will be done on earth? Well, because in heaven there's no resistance. We have resistance down here. For one thing, you've got flesh. You've got your own stinking thinking. And I'm talking about me too. So we have things on earth that hinder the will of God from being done. And so Jesus said, God's best is for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so that gives us a goal to strive for, to attain for. In heaven, there's no sickness. In heaven, there's no poverty. In heaven, people don't fight each other. And so God gives us the ability on earth to begin to bring heaven down to earth in our realm of influence. I want to say that again, in our realm of influence. We can bring 
the love of God into our family. We can bring the love of God onto our workplace. We can bring the love of God into our churches. How do I know that? Well, we're going to look at the Bible and see that. But I want to say that again. The Bible says love never fails. And so if there's a failure in our life, to me, I made this choice years ago when I really started understanding the love of God that he had for me to walk in. I realized that if I'm having a failure in life, that's to be a love failure somewhere in my life going on because I opened the door for failure. Amen. And so then also, I want you to look at verse 13. It says, Now abideth faith, hope, charity or love, faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is what? Love. It says that love is greater than faith. Love is greater than faith. And when you write, just write this verse down. I don't want to just quote a bunch of verses and throw at you to confuse you. But Galatians chapter 5, verse 6 says that faith works by love. Faith can only be activated by the love of God. When you use your faith because you love God and you love people, then your faith's going to work. It says you have faith, hope, and love, but it says that love is greater than faith. Well, uh, who does the Bible say love is? God is love. And so that would tell you why love is greater than faith, because God's the one that gives us faith. And so we say love's the one that gives us faith, because God is love. And so God's greater than faith, because God is love. And so love is greater. And the Lord's really what talks to people tonight about this love walk, because God wants to turn up his power in your life. God wants to see your prayers answered more than ever before. And so you've got to get a hold of the love walk, especially the times we live in. And so I want to look at one more verse. Look at chapter 14, verse 1. He says, follow after love. In other words, make love your priority and then desire spiritual gifts. But rather, or especially, you may prophesy. And so I've laid a little foundation there about how serious in these chapters here about the gifts of the Spirit being used in the church and these different things. Love is to God over and over. He says that. I just, I just barely uh, glanced at a few things, but I want you now to go back to some things Jesus said. I want to show you something tonight that you've probably never seen before. Go to John chapter 13. We're going to look at verse 34 and verse 35. John 13. And this was a revelation to me, I think, probably about Oh, I'd say 38, 39 years ago when I heard a man teach this. It really, really, really stuck with me for all these years. 38, 39 years ago, I've seen this and understood it. But if you don't get anything else tonight, I believe in Jesus' name you're going to get this. John 13, verse 34 and 35. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you. Well, I thought there was just the Ten Commandments. Not really. If you count them, there's probably hundreds of commandments. But there's ten that is emphasized in the Old Testament that a lot of people talk about. But Jesus said, I'm going to give you a new commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Wait a minute. I thought that was one of the Ten Commandments. Jesus said it's a new commandment. So I'm going to show you the difference between this and the Old Commandment in just a minute. But he said, a new commandment I give unto you, 
that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another like he's loved us. And then he said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. But something I want to point out, he didn't say that people are going to know you're a Christian because you tithe. He didn't say people are going to know you're a Christian because you speak in tongues. He didn't say people are going to know you're a Christian because you heal the sick. He said people are going to know you're a Christian by your love, one for another. And by that to me, that says that to me. It is high time for Christians to quit fighting each other. Amen. I'll tell you this, we're not the only church in town. The Baptist church is a good church. We don't need to criticize the Baptist. And the Catholic people that are born again are really good people. The ones that are not born again are probably good people. They just need to get saved. And the whatever whatever the whatever the name of the church is, we need to quit being critical of other Christians. Jesus said, People are going to know you're my disciples if you love one another. He's talking about in-house loving, loving inside the family of God. We're going to love the world, reach out to them, but the first thing is we need to start treating each other right. Amen. Jesus said, the world's going to know. <clears throat> Who's our goal to reach? The world. What's the, what's the loudest number one thing that Jesus said they're going to hear? How we love each other. But Christians are tearing down each other and fighting each other and going on news programs and writing articles on Facebook about, about somebody, uh, another Christian. Well, they're supposed to be a Christian. Shut up. You're supposed to be one too. You just proved right there that you're not. <laughs> oh, get away from that pastor, yeah. Anyway, I want you to notice this. We're going to look at something. <clears throat> Jesus said in Verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you, you love one another. And so, we, we, we thought that that was the old commandment, but I want you to hold your place and look at Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Let's look at the old commandment. Leviticus 19, verse 18. I want you to, I want you to have your thinker on and your heart open as we see these verses here because we're not twisting the scriptures. We're learning from the Scriptures. If Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment, I want to learn the new commandment, don't you? Does anybody want to learn it? Okay. Leviticus 19.18, look at this. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Does anybody see a difference between this and what Jesus said? He said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now go back to what Jesus said. Love one another, John thirteen thirty four. Love one another as I have loved you. Did you know that a lot of people don't love themselves very much? Well, the old commandment, that's the only way they can love. Because they weren't born again Christians. They didn't have the Holy Spirit inside to help them love somebody. So, 
All they could do back then was, okay, I don't get mad, I get even. Treat me right, treat you right. Okay, you go do that to me, I'll do that to you. Because they didn't have God's love in them. Jesus said, we don't love that way now. Now we let his love love them as I've loved you. Jesus got on the cross, died for our sins. Jesus turned the other cheek. He could do that because he had God in him. We have God does now. We can go the extra mile now. They couldn't do it back then. By the way, you want to know what the extra mile was about when Jesus said that, go the extra mile? Romans controlled Jerusalem, the Roman soldiers. They were everywhere. They made slaves out of the Jews. They were mean people. And the Romans were like soldiers today. The Marines, they carried a heavy backpack. They were on patrol with backpacks, but because they hated the Jews, they controlled their city. They had a Roman law that if you saw a Jew, you'd make him carry your backpack one mile. And so if a Roman saw a Jew, he said, here, take my backpack. And Jesus, because the Jews hated the Roman soldiers so bad, Jesus said, now my kind of love, he said, you go the extra mile. When, they, when you get there to the mile, most of the, the Jews, they'd throw the backpack down the dirt, they'd cuss, kick dirt, and walk away from the soldier because they went one mile. That was all they had to do by the law. Jesus said, show them my love now. said, hey, I'm going to take it another mile. They went above and beyond. And so that's what Jesus said, go the extra mile. And so Christians, when we have somebody that's not treating us nice, they don't like us, Jesus said, instead of just tit for tat, do something extra for them. I know for me, I made it my habit years and years and years ago that if I know somebody's having a problem with me, I'm going to go to the love of God. I'm going to either send them a nice card and say, hey, I've been thinking about you. You know, I just want to tell you, I've been thinking about you, and I love you, and I appreciate you, and put a little gift card in or something like that. Say, hey, man, why don't you go to Starbucks on me? And that's the love of God. That's how God treats me. That's how Jesus treats me. Or, you know, when I know that somebody has had offense against me, with modern technology, sometimes I'll just send a little text with a smiley face, a couple of hearts like that. Say, hey, thinking about you today. And I'm always, always, always very, very prayerful about how I word things so it doesn't come off like I'm trying to snide them or, you know, say something mean to them like that. I'm really cautious when somebody's had ought against me of saying I'm praying for you, although I am, because it might come off as, oh, you think I need prayer? How about you, jerk? I don't want to come off that way. So I want to come off just with, I mean, how could, how could you get mad about a happy face and a heart come across your phone? <laughs> Especially when you know that you were mean to somebody. And all of a sudden, I mean, that's what you call heaping those burning coals on their head. That's talking about love. That's a love gesture. Those burning coals are the love of God coming to people. And they just kind of melt because of that love of God. You see what I'm saying? Jesus said... A new commandment I give unto you. This is not the old commandment. The old commandment is you love them like you love yourself. How many here have ever met somebody you tell they don't think very highly of themselves? They're mean. Well, you know what they do then? They're operating under the old commandment. They are loving everybody else how they love themselves. They don't love themselves. That's why they snap at you. That's why they dump on you. Because that's what they do to themselves. They get up in the mirror every morning and they just think things like, I wish to God it was nighttime. 
Then they go to bed at night time. Oh, I wish it was morning time because they can't sleep. Then morning time comes and they have to deal with life again. And all they think is, I wish it was night time. Then the next day, I wish it was daytime. And then when they see people, they treat people like that. But what are they doing? They're loving people like they love themselves so they don't love themselves. Is it? Is anybody seeing this? Jesus said, I got a new commandment. Quit loving people like the world loves people. He said, love people as I have loved you. And so that's why we think sometimes when we're dealing with people, I remember there's a thing going back probably 40 years ago, what would Jesus do? Remember the little bracelets, the little necklaces, the little tracks and everything? What was WWJD? What would Jesus do? And we need to stop and think about that. If we're going to walk in the love of God, we need to stop and think about that when we're about to answer people. I know that for me, I learned a long time from James chapter 1, let every man be slow to hear, slow to speak. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. I always, in conversations, especially if it's a conversation that's an unpleasant situation I'm in, I really stop and think before I answer, before I speak, because what would Jesus do? If I'm going to make this situation worse, you know that you, as you read the gospel, there's sometimes it says Jesus answered not a word. He remained silent. Because he knew there's nothing he said that would make this thing right. And so because Jesus never sinned, he learned the language of silence that sometimes you just shut up and don't say a word. Do you have to win every argument? Most arguments you win is because you said nothing. Do you remember the time they brought the woman caught in adultery? What did Jesus do? So he looked up at him, got down, started writing in the dirt. All right, doing better preaching than you are shouting. Okay, so anyway, I know that, I know that for myself, there's so many times I do for people what I don't do for myself. I mean, now that we're getting older and we're not paying all of our money out on raising kids and stuff like that. We got more money to buy nicer things now. But I know, I know that back before we had enough money to buy some good stuff with, that God would have me buy a nicer gift for you than I bought for myself. God would have me do things with my time for other people I wouldn't do with myself. You know what that was called? Loving them how Jesus would love them. That was Jesus' love through me. Buying that gift. That was Jesus' love through me. Spending my day doing this I don't even like doing. Taking somebody somewhere, doing something like that. Because Jesus said, love them like I've loved you. And so that's why we as Christians have to realize it's Jesus first. Others second. Ourself last. Amen. That's called joy, J-O-Y. Jesus, others, us. That's how we get joy. But anyway, that's how you love people like Jesus loved people. He puts it on your heart. You had that money saved up for this, but then Jesus in your heart says, but give it to them for this. That's the love of God. Didn't Jesus lay down his life for us? And then he said, lay down your life for a brother, for your brother. That's the love of God. Amen. We're talking about the gifts. And so... I want to look a couple more verses to help you understand this love better. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I really like to 
share the verses where you can see them and not just quote them. I know that I get frustrated when I'm in a service and I hear a preacher say over and over again, well, you know, the Bible says, you know, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, well, I know that when I was a baby Christian and I knew nothing about the Bible, I'd hear these guys talk about the Bible says, and they'd look out there and think everybody was like them, already grown up Christians, knew, knew a lot about the Bible. I'd sit there and think, where's it say it? Where's it say it? If it says it, where's it say it? Where's, I want to see it. I want to see it. And so I would think about those things when I went home, and when I learned what a concordance was, I'd get out my concordance and look at the verse they quoted, and then I'd find out where it said it at, because I wanted to see it too. And so I don't want to tell you the Bible says if I don't tell you where it says it at, and I really want to take you to it and show you where it's at. And so 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Brand new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God. He's talking about your nature. Your spirit is changed. Your spirit is brand new. And it says everything, the characteristics in your spirit now, they're from God. And so I want to show you some of that characteristic. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. And this is going to help you understand why and how you can love people like Jesus loves people. Galatians 5, verse 22 says this. And I'll wait till you get there. Galatians 5, verse 22. And by the way, the fruit of the Spirit, and I like to call this the character of God, because the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's God, right? He's God down here on the earth. The Holy Spirit in us is God in us. And so if the, if the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our spirit is from God, then we can say this is the character of God. We have the character of God in our spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is, what's that first word? Love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Think about this. The first characteristic of God is love. And if you're like me, and I'm sure you are if you're born again, one of the very first things that people noticed in my life, especially my family since they were all sinners, was I loved people. My family was like probably most of your families. If they're not Christians, then all they do is talk about people, get mad at people, criticize people, don't forgive people, messed up all the time about people. I know in my family that uh, when I used to go visit my unsaved family members, what they loved to do is sit around and drink beer and talk about the family members that weren't there. And so one day, I stood up at the front of my family. I've been born again several years. I stood up to my family. I said, you know what? I never did participate in the gossip and the bad stuff anyway. I said, I'm going to quit coming around you guys because I know you're talking about this when you talk about that, when you talk about this. But I said, I know as soon as my wife, my wife and I walk out the door, you're talking about us. You talk about whichever one's not here. So I said, I don't want, I don't want to be around you anymore if you're just going to talk about everybody because I know as soon as we leave, we're on the hit list. You know, you, you kind of start getting a little smart when you get a little older, when you understand how things work. And so then the things they noticed about me, though, when I got born again, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Loving people like God loves people. So my family found out as soon as I was born again, 
I didn't hate people anymore. I wasn't unforgiving anymore. I forgave the people that wronged me. And they come down there, they'd try to bring up the old trash from the past about people that hurt me and things like that. And I'd say, I really don't care anymore. That doesn't matter. That's gone. That's history. Well, the fruit of the Spirit Spirit is what? Love. And so that tells me you've got that love in your spirit if you're born again. It didn't say the fruit of your head. When you got born again, Jesus didn't move into your head. He moved into your spirit. And so you have to learn to shut off your head and live out of your spirit. I want to look at one more verse. Look at Romans chapter 5. Verse 5. Romans 5, verse 5. And we're talking about the more excellent way, the motivation behind the gifts of the Spirit, is the love of God. Romans 5, 5 says, And hope makes not a shame. Now look at this. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And another translation says, the love of God has filled our hearts. Another translation says, the love of God is overflowing in our hearts. Our hearts are full of the love of God. And so as we're closing out, I just want to say this. Jesus told us, Love one another as I has loved you. Jesus would never tell us, and he said it's a commandment, by the way. It didn't say this is an option. He said, I want to give you a suggestion. He said, I'll give you a commandment. Now listen to this. You might want to write this down. Jesus would never tell us to do something he didn't give us the ability to do. We have God's divine nature in us which is love and we can tap into the love of God in our hearts to do what Jesus said to love people like he loves us I want to give you a small homework assignment write down 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 through 8 especially verse 4 through 8a 1 Corinthians 13 4 through 8a, and I really like that in the Amplified Bible, not so much the new Amplified, but the old Amplified. And here's why I give you that homework assignment. Has anybody ever learned yet that for you to grow in faith, you've got to learn Bible verses? And they change your thinking, they change your mind? Well, when you read 1 Corinthians 13, especially verse 4 through 8, that's a job description of the love of God. That's a job description of how the love of God works. The love of God endures long and is patient and kind. The love of God doesn't talk behind your brother's back. The love of God doesn't criticize your brother, praise for your brother. It tells you the love of God. And so when you begin to do what 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8a says, you're starting to let the love of God come out of your heart and into the world. And when that love comes out of your heart, And in the world around you, Jesus said, by this shall all men know you're my disciples. You have love one for another. So love is the motivation behind the spiritual gifts. God wants to use you in gifts of the Spirit. And the more you let God love people through you, 
He'll turn up the power. It'll get high. You'll speak to mountains and they'll move. You'll lay hands on the sick and you'll see them jump to life. You'll believe God for finances and they'll show up. Because the love of God never fails. Amen? And so this is right in the middle of the gifts of the Spirit that he talked about. Love, love, love. You've got it. Shut the head off and let it flow. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.